I'm Chris Nessie, host of Behind the Mic, Voices of the EPN, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Al Olson. Al is Smee, the singing executioner, a Renaissance Festival performer. <laughs> he's hilarious, he's funny, and you're going to get a, get a chance to hear him as Smee, which is going to be really cool. He, he's written an awesome book. It's called The History of the American Renaissance Festival. You are going to love this talk, and uh, what an incredible walk down memory lane. The book is filled with images of the many performers and villages of the fairs. The stories that are captured here are just incredible. I got to tell you, once you uh, listen to this, you got to buy his book and you got to go get your ticket and go visit a fair, a festival or two or three. <laughs> so awesome. And uh, make sure at the end, he reminds you, go to the singing executioner.com and uh, you get a chance there where you could uh, purchase a uh, autographed book. So uh, good stuff. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And oh, by the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and let the review. Could you do that, please? That'd be so cool. You know, say a few nice words and maybe uh, five stars. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks so much. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Maletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dot Steve Maletto. Al Olson is one of a select handful of eccentric, quirky, and entertaining people who helped grow the American Renaissance Festivals into being a very popular ticket. He shares his story in his comprehensive book, A History of the American Renaissance Festival. While attending the University of Minnesota, working nights in a parking ramp and pumping iron at the Dove's Bicep Gym, he also performed his original songs in the same coffee houses that Bob Dylan had a few years earlier on the west bank of the Mississippi. The artistic director of the Mississippi Renaissance Festival attended a theatrical presentation of his original works at theater in the, in the round and hired him on the spot. He began performing at Ren Fairs as a member of the group Pumpkin, writing original Renaissance music. After less than a season, he noted the greater crowd impact of groups like Penn & Teller, Avner the Eccentric, the Flying Karamazov Brothers, and Puke and Snot, which I love that name. As a result, Smee and Blog, which I also love, were formed out of frustration and a desire to present something unique. The tandem comedic vaudeville act performed for 36 years, singing and dancing across the U.S. and Canada at 56 Renaissance festivals and medieval fairs. After the act stopped performing in 2013, he continued as a singing executioner and Renaissance and medieval fairs in Texas and Oklahoma to this day. For the past decade, he has served as the Master of Properties for Texas Ballet Theater. For six years, he was the general manager and co-founder of the Tennessee Renaissance Festival. Over the past two decades, he has performed voiceovers for radio commercials for various festivals. Earlier in his career, he produced a musical album and served on the board of directors for Real Community Theater in Minneapolis. He's been interviewed on dozens of radio and TV shows and has been featured in over 100 newspaper articles. Olson, who grew up in South Minneapolis, now resides in Fort Worth, Texas. And for more information, I'm going to have this stuff in my show notes, but you can go to singingexecutioners.com and smebooks.square.site, and uh, I'll have that in the show notes so it's easy to find. Uh, Al, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Thank you. Uh, hello, Stephen. Hello, everyone. Well, glad you're here. And I got to first ask you this. So are you Smee? 
Oh, I am indeed. As a matter of fact, uh, many more people know me as Smee than as Al. Uh, <laughs> it was a uh, name that popped out of my partner's mouth along with the idea for the act it, all in one uh, fell swoop. And I developed uh, Smee as a six foot four inch uh, executioner in a black hood with a seven foot axe as a children's character. That is so awesome. <laughs> That's, that is so cool. I, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk some more about this because I got to get you to tell some a couple of Smean uh, blog stories. But uh, um, before we go any any further, um, just do a little bit uh, to tell my guests, uh, my listeners, what a Renaissance Festival is. A Renaissance Festival is, is an event that is created to give the visitor the impression that they've stepped back in time into a 16th century village that is immersed in uh, celebration and invited to eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, they offer in-your-face, interactive, live entertainment, uh, a lot of foods, hand foods, uh, ethnic foods, everything on a stick, and a variety of uh, alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. And the shows are lined with shops that have uh, a wide variety of arts and crafts and some even offering demonstrations. That's so cool. I had, I had a blast going going to these, and uh, I've been uh, a former history teacher and uh, just a person myself. I like going to them, but then it became kind of a thing to do with some of my teacher friends and go and uh, and then uh, and then after a while, students would find out that you like going, and so they'd join you there. And so you had these groups that would show up, and and it's just a whole no, a whole other world. You know, you're in a different place when you know you walk through the gates or whatever they have to introduce you to the the world you're about to walk in. And it's just cool because your book, which we're going to get into in just a minute, just really brings back those thoughts and celebrates the people who, who made those worlds come to life. So real. And I, kudos to you. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, so I had, I had two friends, brothers, and this is how I first learned about Renaissance festivals. Uh, um, they, they were brothers. I got to know them during college and um, they made their own armor. They created chain mail. Um, they searched high and low for a good sword and they were constantly learning how to sword fight where they didn't kill each other and, uh, and uh, doing pretty good at it. And I don't know if they ever did more than just attend the festivals because they'd go to the festivals in these outfits. And, um, but they introduced me to the festival south of Atlanta because they were in Florida where I got to know them. And they told me about one in, in, in uh, um, just around uh, the south end of Atlanta near Fayette County. And, and uh, I'll never forget the first time I went there is approach the gates I mean, there's all these people, and there's an assortment. So you have people like me who are just dressed in, you know, summer-type clothing-type affair. And uh, and then you had others who, you know, they're in all kinds of uh, medieval to Renaissance-type uh, outfits and uh, carrying all kinds of things. And then one of my first memories, by the way, is the first person I, I met as I went through was selling pickles. And I thought it was, ah. I thought it was cool that you had a pickle story in here um, uh, about a, a character who did pickles, but uh, the first one I met was she was selling pickles and she was talking to us, I'm going to buy a pickle. And, and uh, that was a, it's a fun memory there because it uh, ended up with my, my funny mother-in-law who um, she went right along with her and was <laughs> next thing there's, there's a whole conversation about pickles going on, but uh, just awesome stuff. Could you talk about the people who perform at these events? I mean, who were they? How'd they live? Well, there is such a wide variety of people that work the shows. And one of the reasons I had to write the book was that uh, back in the 80s, uh, 
Renaissance festivals were treated as sort of a sitcom joke. And by that point, I had become aware of many of the people that worked the shows. And they were intelligent people with incredible backgrounds, had many other choices in life. But they chose to do Renaissance festivals because you could invent your own reality. Uh, in my case, I had a degree in physics. Uh, Niccolo the Juggler has a Harvard degree. Uh, Michael Marzella was a journalist. He was the uh, feature editor for the St. Pete Times. He wrote articles for the Smithsonian, uh, but he turned down a job with USA Today because he was having too much fun being king. And uh, nice. Teller of Penn and Teller was a uh, Latin teacher. Um, but uh, as far as where they live, uh, tents, trailers, uh, some some shows offer uh, apartments above the booths, that sort of thing. Uh, in my early years, I had a 19, well, I graduated from a tent to a 1982 Mazda pickup truck with a seven foot bed and a topper, which I had named the Mobile Survival Pod. Nice, nice. That's that is so awesome. I, I just, I mean, it, one of the things that, it, you know, I just never forget about it and uh, um, is, is that, and, and most of my attendance happened from the 90s, early 90s through early 2000s. And uh, even though I've gone a couple times off and on over the last couple of years, but it's been, it's not been as uh, often as I was way back then. And as a, there, it just, it's just such a cool thing because everything from um, being um, admonished by uh, by someone who's looking for someone and I couldn't give them the answer, you know, to uh -huh. to some of the some very serious horseback riding type lessons that were happening in a in a little area with a kind of um, like prior entertainment before a joust type thing, and uh, there's just any number of. Uh, um, people uh, as well as those who are selling their their wares selling things that uh, they'd made crafty type stuff that was uh, so cool so just good stuff I, so how are these run and operated well uh, there are most most shows are individually owned uh, there are a couple of corporations festivals incorporated and renaissance and entertainment corporation that own a number of them but most shows are one one or two shows per owner and they have have to have a staff that's involved for the site crew uh entertainment director craft coordinator uh promotions department as well as uh, the administrative staff and uh they to to man the the, sh the shows they hire a combination of local people and traveling rennies who will uh, will work the shows as well that's awesome. That's so cool. And your your book is filled with pictures and images from everything from tickets to IDs to to posters to then just the images of the the actors themselves in and out of costume and, and uh, it's just it's just awesome. I, I love it. They, you know, one of the things that uh, I always loved about going to the Renaissance festivals is the humor associated with many of the characters. Cause I love dumb jokes. All right. I, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. And, and it always drove my wife nuts. Cause I, I'm going to eventually go see multiple times, whoever it is that had uh, some of the best ones of that. And, you know, it, uh, yeah, I, I remember too specifically, he told some of the best dumb jokes I'd ever heard. Uh, what type of preparation did many of the performers put into their characters and performance? I mean, this is kind of going with what you just said a minute ago. 
Well, of course, your uh, your jugglers and your acrobats are are going to be rehearsing all week. Uh, that that's a, they have to constantly stay in shape and and, and keep keep together on that. Um, the best part of performing at a Renaissance festival is you get immediate feedback from the crowd because you're so close to them. And that's a great way to develop, uh, develop what you're working on. As a matter of fact, uh, I came up with a line uh, a number of years ago for a volunteer. You invite him up on stage, give him the opportunity to do something funny and he fails at it. So the line was, Joe, it's guys like you that give William Shatner the courage to return to the stage. Well, the first time I delivered it, uh, John Stetson, a well-traveled uh, magician, mentalist, and MC, was backstage. He, I came backstage, and he said, that was funny, and they hated you. Because, of course, you've got nothing but Star Trek fans out in the audience. Of course. And, and it took me about two weekends of trying different ways to present the lines so that it would work. I finally found out that the way I had to do it was to basically apologize for saying it by going, it's guys like you that give William Shatner the courage to return to the stage and kind of shake my head like I'm ashamed of it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. That's awesome. I, that, yeah, this, this is, that would be hilarious, by the way, knowing that your different audiences, especially if you travel different places, could be the type, there's going to be different types of people that are attending these, you know, and, you know, it's, I can only imagine that uh, the different groups that you ran into that uh, might either take ownership, uh, uh, take umbrage to what it is that you're saying or, or uh, whatever. So it's, just what a cool thing. In a minute, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about Smee and blog, but, uh, but I gotta, you know, you're a, you're a performer. So what's it like to perform at those festivals? I mean, what it, well, it's, it's wonderfully addictive. Uh, <laughs> one of my friends said uh, the hardest thing is if you want to get out is actually getting out of it because, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there is such a joy in, in actually, getting a good response from an audience. And uh, in my case, as well as doing stage shows, you are required to be a character in the lanes. And uh, I just love the interactions, especially since I focus on little tiny kids. Uh, I just, I, I love the lane work as well. Uh, in, in Iowa one time, we were changing stages, a big stage, just hundreds of people just milling about and I'm standing there again, a six foot four executioner, a black hood with a seven foot axe, and a little three year girl, three year old girl comes up to me with tears in her eyes and says, "I can't find my mommy." Nice. To go to the executioner to ask the question. Very nice. So, did you help her? <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> No, I, I've had my daughters and granddaughters at Renaissance festivals and crowds can make you nervous in those situations. I can imagine that was what a, what a funny thing though, to just totally, it doesn't matter what you look like trying to figure out if you could help her figure out where, where things were, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, I, I just, you know, so you're walking around as an executioner and uh, now, you know, you're you and, and blog, your stuff was singing and, and some humor that uh, um, is going to, uh, what, what would be a good way of describing uh, 
um, your humor? Um, well, it's uh, Renaissance entertainment in a jugular vein is one of the uh, phrases we used. Uh, since you like dumb jokes, uh, did you hear the one about the cook who was convicted of trying to poison his master? No. Yeah, he was given his choice between a steak or a chop. Nice, 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 nice. So do you have someone with a drum set? <laughs> we need one, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, what a cool... Uh, all right, so we got to talk about Smee and Blog for a minute. So how did you guys... How did you guys... And I've read what you said and how you talked about it in, the, in your book. So can you just give the audience a little bit of a description of Smee and Blog, which, by the way, if you go to the Singing Executioner, you can see pictures, so... Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, you can uh, see us uh, introducing or roasting Charles Barkley and uh, introducing Billy Crystal to take over for us at Barkley's Celebrity Roast, which was one of the more interesting gigs we did, along with uh, being backstage entertainment for the Rolling Stones in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, many years ago. So cool. But uh, now we started out uh, writing folk music back in the 60s. of course, uh, out of uh, frustration at the festival, we came up with the act. We had uh, developed basically a number of bits working with King Henry the Only, George Herman, at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, who <laughs> held several shows a day uh, that were an excuse for all these comic bits. And uh, over a period of a couple of years, we wrote so many bits for the, uh, the events that we strung them together into an act and uh, we were just lucky that uh, it was early on in the development of Renaissance festivals and there weren't that many themed acts out there. So we, uh, we really had our choice of, uh, of where we wanted to work. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, so you got it. I mean, so first of all, your height and blog's not that short, but he's, it's not your height. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, you got to talk a little bit about just how that the idea, I mean, because a singing executioner who tells stories or tells funny jokes is um, just talk a little bit more about what, uh, I mean, like the first couple of times you did that and what, you know, the reaction, because it has to be like gasoline on fire type thing where at some point (laughs) we got to keep doing this. (laughs) Actually, our first appearance was at one of the King's shows where we had been doing music and we came out and did the bit, and uh, I was told that people were doing spit takes and everything else behind us. It, it was successful from the very start, and uh, so we we just uh, took it to the road. Uh, you are you did mention earlier about different crowds. Uh, our favorite crowd was up in New England because we do a number of uh, Broadway parodies, nice. and uh, you know, start stretching your noose. I'm cleaving today <laughs> and uh, whatever, but up in New England, they, they recognize things from the verse. Most of the country, you have to get to the chorus before you get the recognition laughs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. So I, I, I can understand that would, uh, yes, you got to, that, that would be an interesting thing about crowds too, is that uh, which things they react to. I mean, did, did you find that as part of <laughs> Oh, and, and what day it is. It, it, oddly enough, you really find that every day has its own character at Renaissance festivals. There are some days that are craft buying days, some days that are big entertainment days. I mean, uh, some days you can do no wrong as an entertainer, and other days you really have to work to pull any energy out of them. It could be the weather. It could be the humidity. Uh, 
you know, who knows, but uh, they really do have their own characters, different days. That's so cool. That's really so cool. Uh, uh, all right. So why do you think Americans are infatuated with going to Renaissance festivals? I mean, why, why has it lasted so long? Realistically, I think that uh, an awful lot of people are not really that fulfilled in their day-to-day life. And it is absolutely an escape from that and a chance to, to be entertained, to be treated like royalty, to have a lot of fun and just get outside and get away from whatever it is you're leaving back at home. It's also a safe place for people to dress up and pretend to be anything they want to be. And uh, that's important to a lot of people as well. Hey, that's so cool. Cause that's, you know, one of the things that I learned was that you literally could be in, I mean, you, you had to just let your world go. And if you really wanted to just be part of what's going on, because the characters, many of them, if you, if you just go with it, <laughs> the, the next thing you know is you're sucked into a whole nother world where they're, whether they're making fun of you <laughs> or whether you're, you're being presented as the, you know, the finder of, I, I had picked up some fake gold coins and that's what I got chastised about was because she was telling me, don't pick those up. Those, and it was a, some character that was what she was doing. She was throwing these coins in different places and then she'd get mad at you for picking up her coins. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny. I had, oh yeah. They, uh, shows teach their, their lane people. You have to come up with a character. You have to come up with a bio for the character. And then you have to come up with an excuse to interact with people. And that's, so that's a designed, uh, portion of the festivals so cool because that's that's what really and that's what i mean by if you allow yourself to be in that world um you if you just stand off to the side or whatever and you're just a spectator that's not as fun that's the, it's it's literally letting those those actors become you know whatever they're going to talk to you about so it's that's an awesome aspect of that I, so you know one of the things that i was wondering if you could talk about with this is you know why do you think the festivals just can continue to be popular? I mean, because I mean, we talked a little bit about that just a second ago and you know, it's, it's this whole thing about being able to dress up, but, and leave troubles behind. But I mean, there's, I mean, can we go a little deeper into that? Because I mean, you, you guys did, uh, um, SME and blog for, did you say 30 something years? Yes. Yes. Uh, and it, uh, you know, continued, continued to work for us. Uh, I, they the, the festivals appeal to almost everyone. Um, I, for instance, uh, when I was uh, in charge of the Tennessee show, I was approached by a farmer, uh, a very stern-faced farmer who wanted to speak to somebody uh, in charge, and I was prepared for whatever it might be, and he came up and he says, I ain't never seen anything like this, but this is great. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> That's funny. That's, that's cool. They, you know, do you have, let's, let's, let's talk some more. Did, do you have an, a character of somebody that somebody else did that you really kind of like thinking about that uh, was a cool one of those to, to re, be around there? Um, well, uh, there's a fellow Gordy Baudreau who, uh, was brilliant as a, uh, as a beggar. He, he could just, uh, he could just mess with people and uh, whatever they did. He was, he was hilarious. He's now doing actually a, 
a rather blue uh, show, uh, which uh, he did off Broadway and got rave reviews for. So that's kind of the direction he's going now. But uh, but I've always I've always loved his work. Um, you were talking about pickles earlier. Uh, James Pickett, who was one of the original pickle men, he could stand at the front gate as a crowd was pushing in through the gate and just boom, 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 nailing people with, with some sort of comic thing, calling attention to whatever. And it was just nonstop machine gun fire, funny stuff nice. that, that he would do. Uh, and in the book, as I say, he, uh, he probably provided more entertainment uh, as a pickle seller than many uh, performers ever did. That's at funny. Festivals. That's awesome. That's, that's so cool. Uh, you're, yeah, you know, your book is beautiful, by the way. It's the history of the American Renaissance Festival. Um, it's chock full of the photographs and the stories. You know, is there, when, when you're gathering this, um, you know, did you run into, I mean, were, were people ready to, excited to tell you their stories and share? And I mean, because I know others worked with you on it. Well, for the most part, I mean, I, I, I knew almost everybody individually that I talked to and, Oddly enough, uh, as far as interviewing the producers of shows that I hadn't worked, uh, they were almost uh, more open to me than the producers of the shows that I did work. But uh, no, it was, uh, it was a, it was a good experience. Um, I had taken my photographer, Mike Barrett around in the mid nineties to four shows and he took world-class photos of different people, uh, with their craft or, or in, in action. And so that kind of determined who I uh, interviewed. I wanted to put a little story behind these pictures. Well, you did awesome at that. It's, it's just cool. Cause it's each, each of the sections and chapters are, are, uh, I mean, you can just get lost in some of them, especially if you've ever attended any of these, you start thinking about whether you went to the ones where these characters were or not. It, it really brings home some of the people you may have met <laughs> along the way. One of the things you talk about in the book is that there are um, really kind of two different types of uh, festivals. They kind of fall into a, a grouping, if you will. I was wondering if you could talk to that just a little bit. Yes, the uh, the pleasure fairs, which which started it all out in California, uh, became a living history event, and so the costuming, language, even colors of clothing uh, were very important to them. Uh, we, of course, were highly anachronistic doing Broadway tunes and rock tunes, uh, refigured. Um, and so, uh, we of course did not, uh, get hired by any of these events. There were a few East, uh, of the Rockies as well. Uh, the Sterling show in Northern New York also followed the, uh, the historical side of things. And that's, that's fine. Um, I, I do find it a little humorous that, uh, where they drew the line was us always, but then uh, of course guitars weren't uh, around in the Renaissance, and they all have numerous guitarists. So it's uh, you know it it you can do what you want with your show, and so we were limited with shows like that. But uh, you know it was fine. I, I got you. It's just it's just an interesting aspect of it because I I could see where that could happen where uh, you know. It, 
for whatever reason, they decide that this is the type of show we're going to have versus this type of show. And, and isn't it, I, I love, you know, reworked show tunes and just funny humor that comes out of that. So, and to have it delivered by two executioners, even better. So <laughs> nice. The, uh, the, you know, one of the thing, one of the chapters in the book is, is about the history of the benevolent order of scurrilous monks. Can you talk briefly about that group? Cause I think that's, that's a funny one. Yes. Uh, it, Donald, uh, Donald Heller is our abbot. Uh, it was, uh, kind of grew out of, um, uh, a weenie roast that, that we held, uh, early on, uh, a lot of people weren't making much money and, uh, there, there were a lot of people that were really uh, hard pressed to, uh, to even eat during the week. And so, uh, we started doing weenie roasts to feed the, uh, to feed the public. Uh, and we also, uh, are we we have uh, gotten donations there is a desire to uh found a renaissance uh, retirement home for for rennies that don't have other choices uh we're we're not there yet but uh we uh we keep looking uh, i by the way am brother mother because of the fact that i traveled uh, for five years with my infant daughter before uh, before she started school wow that's cool that's, that's um so does your daughter remember all that? Have Oh, she certainly does. As a matter of fact, she's now the uh, crafts coordinator for two major shows. She's full-time in the business. Awesome. That is so cool. I, you know, I got to make sure that I share the uh, the subtitle of, of your book. It's called, uh, so the book is the History of the American Renaissance Festival, or Where Have All the Hippies Gone? <laughs> and can you expl- explain where you go with that? Well, uh Basically, uh, if you read Rachel Lee Rubin's uh, book, Well Met, she talks about the pleasure fairs in California and how it actually supported the growth of the hippie movement. And a lot of these folks actually came up with arts and crafts that they moved uh, across the land uh, in Renaissance festivals. And if you'll see a lot of the pictures of the people that work the festivals, uh, you can tell that they weren't exactly corporate types. <laughs> nice. I think you're right. I think <laughs> very much so. I, so, you know, one of the things that you know, really just changed a lot of stuff that we've done in this country was uh, having to deal with COVID. Um, have the fairs pretty much, have they been able to come through that okay and uh, and move on? <laughs> They've not only come through it okay, they have exploded since COVID. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. They're, they're, they're having problems with lines, with traffic, running out of food. Crafters running out of product because uh, once people were able to come to a festival, come outside, go to something fun, uh, it, it was just embraced and people tried it for the first time and realized, hey, this is okay and continued coming. So it's uh, it's more popular than ever. That's awesome. That's so cool because it, you know, that's that's just neat that they've survived it. And not only that, it's making people come out to them and enjoy it even more. So do you have a favorite memory or story that you'd love to, that you like telling um, about your time? Well, this, uh, this kind of justifies my choice to, to be a comedian entertainer uh, at the Muskogee show, Oklahoma Renaissance festival. Uh, I was hawking a show and uh, a large group of people came up. And I, uh, I asked, is this a family reunion or what? And nobody said anything. Uh, so we finished the show 
And after the show, one of the women came up to me and she says, I don't know if you remember, but last year, uh, my father fell off a bench in your show. And I said, uh, actually, I do remember that, but he seemed okay. And she said, oh, oh, no, he was fine. He fell off the bench from laughing so hard. And she said, however, uh, six months later, he actually did pass. But for the last six months of his life, he was chuckling about you guys' act every day. And so the family decided to come to your show in honor of him. That's awesome. That is so cool. What a what a what a neat thing. Because I, I I would be worried too <laughs> when, when yeah. the conversation started out the way that it did. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so cool. I you know it's I'm sure that everybody that goes to a Renaissance festival comes away with whatever it is that's their own thing that they remember. You know, um, but I. I got to tell you, I can't think it. Uh, you know, I've never actually had a chance to thank a, a festival performer, um, but it's it's so cool to be able to have that chance to escape into this world, and they make you feel like it's like you're someplace that you're not. And then, I mean, just forget everything. And then, uh, like I said, I live for those bad jokes and the and uh, and food and just just different things. But you just never knew when you're being set up for something to happen. Where, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, like I said, I just innocently picked up those coins. And this, that's all that that's what set her off. As soon as it, someone picked it up, then you got to meet her. And I wish I could remember exactly what she called herself, but I don't. But uh, good stuff. I, you know, if Al, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and learn more, where would you send them? Uh, they could uh, get to me by email, uh, Alan Olson, A L L E N. O-L-S-O-N 51 at gmail.com. Very cool. Very cool. I'll have that in the show notes. And I just to make sure I want to make sure it's A-L-L-E-N-O-L-S-O-N 51. Yes. Cool. No dot between anything, right? No. Excellent. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes and have it there. The, uh, um, tell, tell me about, let's talk before we finish up because, uh, I got to ask you, so talk about how long it took you to put the book together. What did it, uh, it took, it took 30 years. I, uh, I gave it a rest for a little while because we, we started losing some shows and I was a little, uh, disheartened by the whole thing. Uh, but then, uh, a fellow, uh, was filming a, a documentary, Chris Gomersall, uh, and, uh, throw up <laughs> the juggling act that he was featuring in the piece and told him that he needed to talk to me if he was actually going to try to do uh, something about the industry and his excitement about what I had collected and the photos and such was, was so great that it inspired me to finish it up. That's cool. That is awesome. The, uh, you know, well, it's like I said, it's filled with the pictures. You have the different uh, everything from drawings to, um, the characters in and out of their costumes and um, this, the stories that they tell and share. And it just, it, it's, it's a wonderful capturing of uh, who everyone is. And I, I think that is uh, just amazing. I'm glad that you spent time, even if it did take you 30 years. So it's cool. <laughs> so, so do you, do you make appearances still as uh, as me anytime? Oh yes, uh, I uh, I went up to Connecticut. I did one weekend performing and one week weekend signing books. 
Uh, I perform regularly in Norman, Oklahoma at the Medieval Fair, and uh, I finally just got a contract to perform next year at Scarborough Fair, which is the closest show to me, 40 minutes away. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and I'll be traveling out to the Maryland and North Carolina show to sign books. Uh, I haven't contacted them about maybe doing a show, but, uh, I'm considering that too. Very cool. What, so do you, do you put on your, uh, website, the, your schedule, like when you start traveling like that or? Yes. Yes. I, uh, I've been, <laughs> I've been a little bad about it at times, but, uh, I, I'm supposed to do that. I try to. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, well, I encourage you to do that. That'd be cool to be able to come find you and, uh, and say hi and, uh, see you in your, uh, and see whatever fun's going to be made of, of me then. <laughs> so, um, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing, uh, your book. Thank you for doing it. And thank you for being, uh, making people laugh and, uh, and uh, escaping in those worlds. Before we go, I have a couple questions I'd just like to ask you. I'd like to ask my my guests. And the first one is, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Well, in my case, I I realize that my time is limited and I have a long list of projects that I I still want to uh, finish. And so basically... Uh, you know, if, if I find a dead end somewhere, whatever, I just move on to a different project. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm working on a second book right now about Renaissance because uh, the only complaints I've really gotten are from people that complained about not making it into the first book. And so I'm, uh, I'm doing another project there. Uh, I'm working on promoting this book and I've got a football history play that I'm trying to work on as well as any number of other things. And so uh, I just bounce from project to project. I got you. That's so, so cool. And uh, kudos with all, uh, you know, wishing the best with all that stuff you got going on. Uh, One last question I got, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say, thank you? Yes. uh, Actually I have a couple that I thought I could, maybe mention cool. uh, my sixth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Bruce, he, uh, he got me involved in radio and theater and he, uh, he challenged me uh, individually with, uh, with things in class, which, uh, which was nice. And then in high school, uh, my uh, advanced algebra and math analysis teacher, Mr. Akins, uh, he was the same way. He, he had a 10 point grading scale, but he had, gave very difficult tests. And so you could get anything up to about a 13 on that 10 point scale, depending on how your work was, because almost nobody could always finish the problems, but uh, he, he would, he appreciated your approach and encouraged thing. And he, and then he encouraged me. He knew that I had a girlfriend that I spent a lot of time with at the time. And he made a point of telling me to keep my priorities straight. He says, you know, you need to go to college and so don't do anything stupid. <laughs> nice. Very nice. That's cool. <laughs> the, uh, so I got uh, um, to ask you a question before we go, uh, before I finish up. Could you be Smee for a minute? Oh, certainly. I could, I could perhaps offer another joke. Please do. Did you hear the one about his majesty's tailor? No. Yes, he, he was found guilty of altering his accounts. <laughs> and they got the whole story straight off the rack. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I like it, I like it. Okay, we got, we got to do a, a, a couple more. 
What you got? Peace. When a stubborn prisoner will not confess, when my utmost efforts meet no success, when they laugh through the pain, one solution remains. It's a dumb, dumb song. So we sing this tune for about an hour till they can't hold out. It's beyond their power because it sticks in your head till you wish you were dead. It's a dumb, dumb song. That is awesome. Awesome. All right. You got one more to go and then I'll close this out. All right. Let me see here. Uh, Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. If you want to look sharp, when you chop off a head, you want to feel sharp. When you leave them for dead, then be sharp. Hire a pro instead because we're cutting prices to the bone. Excellent. Love it, love it, love it. Al, thanks so much for talking with me. The history of the American Renaissance Festival is an awesome walk down memory lane. The pictures, stories, characters, and tales behind the scenes. Oh, so cool. Oh, did I mention, I did mention singingexecutioners.com? Yes. Is where they can buy autographed copies of the book. Oh, cool. So um, singingexecutioners.com, there's autographed copies. You can order an autographed copy of the book. Yes. Very cool. Excellent. And I'll have those websites in the show notes so they can find that, which is cool. And uh, very good stuff. Uh, this, this is, uh, thanks for giving the, this book, this history book, to, the, to uh, all the followers, all the attendees, all the, the characters and performers as well. And good luck when working on the second version of it because I, I can only imagine that uh, they're like, wait, wait a second, what about me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Uh, wishing you success in all you do. And thank you so much for for laughing and making us laugh and uh, being part of uh, getting people in a different world. I like that. Thank you very much. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.